fans and welcome back to the Iron Man Fan Podcast. Uh, I'm your host Andrew and uh, I have another episode for you this week. Uh, this week we're going to uh, look at two things. Um, I'm going to start off looking at uh, like the biggest item of news. It's not strictly Iron Man related. It's of course you know, the leak of the Captain America and Thor outfits for the Marvel Studio movies next year. But I'll, I'll touch onto them because, you know, the Avengers is going to be one, one universe. So I'm really interested in uh, just seeing how that turns out. And also uh, this... Now, this time we're going to have a look at Iron Man Noir, issue 1 and 2. So hopefully we're going to have fun looking at that, and let's move straight into it. Okay, so last week, uh, concept art of Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth as Captain America and Thor have leaked online, and now fans can finally see what what you know Captain and Thor are going to look like in the Marvel movies. And um, overall, I think the reaction has been pretty positive. If we quickly start off with Captain America, just looking at his suit. Um, this is apparently there's going to be two suits in the Captain America movie because half the movie is going to be set in World War Two and the other half uh, this time, as far as as far as I know. So apparently this suit is the suit from the uh, present, so our, our time, and apparently the suit from the Second World War is going to look more like um, the you know the classic Captain America. But that's that's only the things I've heard. But uh, overall, you can definitely see that they're doing the same thing that they've done with Iron Man, where they're making this look more realistic. Um, you know, the wings are gone because it really would have been impossible to have the character serious uh, with the wings on his head. And um, it's interesting because, you know, the head looks more like a helmet now. You know, he doesn't have kind of a Batman thing where in the movies, you know, they put like dark mascara over his eyes to get it blue because Captain has never had that thing. Uh, the shield is still exactly the same. Uh, the, you can still get the identifiable features. You know, he still has the A on his forehead, the star, you know, the uh, the suspenders kind of represent the, the red and uh, white stripes here. The material definitely looks more kind of space age, the blue material around his clothes and the gloves. Uh, but I think they've done a very good job. Uh, the only thing now, Chris Evans has to, you know, pull this off and look, look as good as the conceptual drawings. So I, I definitely give this a thumbs up. And then when we have a look at the uh, Thor costume, uh, the pictures that we've had so far were just Thor without, without a helmet. And people have been saying, you know, does that mean that you know he's not going to have a helmet? Apparently, you know, uh, according to sources that have actually been on the set, Thor is going to have a helmet and it's going to have uh, apparently ra rather large wings on it. So that's good to know. Um, but again, the Thor, hel uh, the Thor uh, outfit also looks very, very new, very modern. Uh, both the outfits look very Ultimate-ish, you know, uh, no wings on Captain America and uh, the glowing, uh, I forget what they're called, on the, the Thor's outfit. The hammer also, the, the Thor's ham hammer's name escapes me, I'm very sorry. I, I really need to get into the Captain America and Thor comics, but I've never really gotten uh, into them, but I definitely will before the movies come out. Come out. So uh, Thor does look very good as well, you know, uh, the, uh, the main identifiable marks are still there, you know, he's still got the red cape, the hair, of course the hammer, 
but overall, again, for, you know, the outfit, you know, the fabric is also a lot more newer, that kind of stuff. But I uh, really don't have too much to say about Thor, but also thumbs up on that. And I think that's pretty much the only, uh, the biggest news uh, of, of the week regarding both Iron Man and Marvel Comics. So let's move uh, straight into the, uh, the Iron Man War. Alright, so Iron Man War. Uh, this is a four issue, kind of special edition uh, uh, print. Uh, it's, it's its own, uh, you know, standing story, not related to the current series or anything. It's an alternate universe, a different take. And I have had a, a very interesting time uh, reading reading uh, the last uh, two issues. Issue 3 is going to come out soon and we're going to have a look at that next week probably, but I'm going to be having a look at the two issues. And it's very interesting because um, they put more at, at you know, uh, uh, in the title. And uh, I've studied uh, media studies for about two to three years and I studied film noir for... Uh, one of those years, so uh, I'm not going to go all professor on you, but I just want to quickly t t tell you what noir uh, is at essence. Uh, film noir is kind of a subgenre of film that was started after the Second World War. It's had a lot of influences from Europe, but it originally started in in the U.S. and basically it's reflected the grim and dark times after the Second World War. You know, where uh, people didn't have faith in humanity anymore and that kind of stuff. And basically, it's, uh, the movies were set, uh, most of the movies, if not all of the movies, were mainly set in the city. And, you know, dealt with uh, corruption and backstabbing and greed and all these dark aspects. So, uh, yeah, it, it the movies, um, the, the main kind of golden era, if you want to call it that, fourth noir movies was in the 40s and 50s. And, you know, it was in the cities and it was all black and white because it was a lot easier for people to um, uh, have black uh, in black and white movies instead of having daytime because it really uh, was a lot harder to create daytime in black and white movies than just having dark nights. Uh, so they used that to their advantage because budget was really, really uh, heavily f affected movies after the Second World War. So uh, that's just a little backstory on film noir. And then when we look at this, uh, you know, Iron Man noir, it's not really noir. Uh, if at least in my opinion, it's not really. It's more of a. Uh, it's it's well they they do talk about it. It's kind of like uh, for starters it's set uh, before you know it's set before the conception of film noir it's set you know before the second world war has actually begun and it's uh, looking at looking at the comic books of both the issues it's noir as in that the colors are very uh, saturated you know they're they're very bleak that kind of stuff but, you know, uh, we look at the first two issues and, you know, if you're listening to this, hopefully you have read this. Uh, you know, the basic outline of the story is, you know, they start off in the jungle and they're looking for this, uh, they're looking for the mask. And then um, the mask, you know, uh, is, ca is captured by a Gilletta and then they go back to the city and they go to, with, with Nemo to, an un to this kind of underwater travel and then they find Atlantis and that kind of stuff. So it's not 
noir movies have always been about gritty realism, you know, bad cops and, you know, corrupt lawyers and corrupt, uh, you know, women backstabbing men, that kind of stuff. And this is more of kind of Indiana Jones kind of thing to me, you know, 1930s adventure books. And they do parody that in, I believe it was Marvel's uh, magazine for men's adventures uh, starring Tony Stark. And um, so it's it's really not noir in in that sense. I think the only the only thing that they're trying to do with noir is the the characters, and I'll explain that. Basically, uh, with film noir, there are conventions. There are conventions. Um, certain character conventions and stereotypes, like you know, with fantasy, there always there's always a knight and a wizard and that kind of stuff. So with film noir, there are the, the main hero is usually a man in film noir, and of course uh, here we have Tony Stark, and he follows that, those conventions. And there are two types of heroes: there is the victim hero and the seeker hero. And the victim hero is basically uh, it's kind of like the anti-hero. He he's someone that's being tricked um, a lot of the time, a lot of time by a woman. Uh, into doing things, you know, committing acts that he doesn't want to, and then he uh, pays uh, the con the price for that and the consequences, and he usually, you know, gets put into prison or killed or something like that. And Tony definitely does show aspects of the victim hero, as at least in the first issue, where he is, uh, you know, he's he's tricked by Gillette into giving her the mask and that kind of stuff. But then there is the second type of hero in film noir, which is kind of the seeker hero. And that's uh, more stereotypical, more traditional, where this is a hero that's uh, on a case, usually in old noir movies, he'd be it'd be a detective. Jack Nicholson played someone like that in Chinatown. That was more neo noir. Uh, someone who you know travels, tries to solve a case, gets involved later on, but comes out on top uh, eventually. And of course, uh, we haven't read the whole story yet, but Tony does see that as well. Uh, you know, part aspects of that hero are also seen throughout these two issues. Uh, you know, as you see him, you know, in his office re uh, recruiting Pepper, and you know, being being the general leader, that kind of stuff. But I think right now he's um, uh, leaning towards the victim hero more. Also, uh, conventions. There is always a woman in in classic noir, and of course, there are also two types of women characters. There is the femme fatale, which is. Uh, coincides with the victim hero, uh, who she is uh, the woman who uh, initially appears to be uh, a victim uh, or is in trouble, uh, but lures the the uh, seek, uh, the victim hero into into doing her bidding, and then she basically turns out to manipulate the the victim hero all the way throughout the movie, and this is seen in many noir movies, and of course we see Gilletta as this. Uh, this the femme fatale where she starts off on Tony's side, but then she betrays him, and throughout these two issues, she comes back to steal his stuff and you know ruin his plans. So that's definitely a hero convention they're following. Also, the second type of female lead is kind of like the distressed victim. You're, this is of course again more stereotypical, where this is the damsel in distress. This is the woman that seeks help. That you know she's not. You know, she's not controlling, she's just a sidekick, and the uh, 
uh, the the main hero this uh, needs to save her. And I think right now this has been Pepper Potts. We don't see this in the first issue, but towards the end of the second issue, I think we see uh, you know she's being kidnapped by ironically the uh, femme fatale Gilletta, and Tony will will probably have to save her. So they definitely follow those types of conventions, but from a uh, straight up, you know, if we're looking at noir from what noir is, noir movies, this is uh, Iron Man noir isn't isn't at least in my opinion it isn't a noir. It's more of a, a dark 1930s. Uh, men, men's adventures kind of thing, you know, uh, that, that that people would read to escape, and they do they do reference this. They're, they're definitely trying to make this noir by you know with the colors and certain characters do, but from from a con- contextual definitely and a narrative point, Iron Man noir re- really isn't noir. But that's that's my boring rant out of the way. Let's um. Let's look at some of the uh, some of the other interesting things that I did did uh, did enjoy. As I said before, it's uh, it's nice to see uh, very familiar characters and uh, story plots brought into a different uh, a different kind of, a different universe, really. You know, so this is said before the Second World War, so it's all it's more steampunk uh, in many ways, and we haven't seen the Iron Man. Uh, of armor yet, but after we see the armor, I think it definitely should have been called Iron Man Steampunk more than one because it definitely fits those th- fits those conventions and themes uh, better. Uh, you know, we see uh, we see Tony building building the armor, and it it definitely does look uh, like like he uses all these machineries in 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 the thirties. Another interesting thing is seeing the characters that we already know, but in slightly re-envisioned forms. So, of course, Tony is uh, has been left the same for most part. He still, you know, he st- he needs to seek power for his heart, which is an interesting, you know, an interesting twist. Something that you know we've seen in the first Iron Man movie. So now he's looking for this metal that's gonna, you know, give him uh, ultimate power. Ultimate power, you know, uh, constant power for to power power his heart. Uh, we see Rhodey, you know, Rhodey is kind of your generic psychic here. Uh, you know, he, he's the boss. He helps out uh, Tony. We haven't seen too much action from him. Interesting, of course, we see Pepper. You know, she's not a secretary. She's a writer. You know, she writes for. for, for it's funny how you know they're kind of playing off the Iron Man comics, the classic comics, where Tony already has his own line of comic books. And you know that's that's one of his big incomes b- before he even becomes Iron Man. So we see we see Pepper, we see uh, we see Nemo, which is very interesting because he he's not really from. We don't really know where he's from. You know he's he's got the pointy ears and he looks like him, but he's a captain of the little ship now. And we see all his crew; they also have the ears. So and you know they go and see Atlantis, but you know we never hear that he's from Atlantis yet. So it's very interesting how they played around with that character. Of course, there's a cameo from Happy Hogan as an underwater submarine, which is ironic in some ways. Jarvis, that's a very interesting one. The backstory is Jarvis and Tony's father have fought in the First World War in 1918 and were captured and tortured. And Tony's father died, I don't know, after that or way, or before, or because of that. But we see Jarvis, he's not really a butler, he's more of Tony's 
kind of more of an adopted father figure. You know, he, he referenced just saying that, you know, I'm not your bloody butler, that kind of thing. So it, it's it's very cool to see Jarvis again. And then this, we actually get to see the Iron Man armor at the end of the first issue. And uh, again, as I was saying, it's very steampunk. You see the gears and stuff on it. It's it's, it's very big. And at the end of the the second issue, if you look at the very last page, which uh, previews the cover, uh, we kind of see him flying, and it, it definitely looks very steampunk there. You know, he's flying from a Zeppelin, and, you know, it's almost like he's using this the engine. There's loads of uh, smoke in, in the fire, so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it. Also very interesting how we haven't yet, we're halfway through this, this mini-series, and we still haven't actually seen Iron Man in use, and this is called Iron Man Noir. This, this, maybe this should have been called Tony Stark Noir. Of course, Iron Man gives it a lot more brand recognition. But, um, you know, we're still halfway through and we haven't seen Iron Man actually um, do anything except, you know, be, be prepared by, by Jarvis. And we don't, so far, we haven't really gotten the origin of how Tony, you know, became Iron Man. Maybe, I hope we get this in the third and fourth issue where, you know, it's a take on him, you know, being captured and shrapnel or whatever it's going to be. Uh, I really hope we see that. Yeah, but yeah, so far we haven't seen Iron Man, which is a very interesting twist, which is, um, some people say it might be similar to the first Iron Man movie where we don't actually see the red and gold armor until, you know, halfway through the movie, but, uh, but that is, that is very interesting. Overall, um, so I think I said all I can say about, uh, Iron Man Noir, I'm not really going to go too much into the story because I summarized it and if you haven't read it, I don't really want to spoil too many things for you, uh, if I haven't yet. But uh, giving this a general general rundown, um, story-wise, um, out of out of ten, I believe I will give this. Um, I think yeah, I will. I'll give this a seven. It's it's an interesting story. I'm trying to get the fact that you know it's not really noir, not to get conflicted with my um, overall review. So I'm really uh, I'm trying to kind of put that aside and treat this as a different thing so i'll definitely give that a seven um very you know it's, it's a decent story it's a, it's a very different take on it so i would recommend iron man fans to read this um also artwork i really i did enjoy the artwork i think there is there is a good amount of detail in the artwork it's uh you know it's it's it does at, at least the artwork uh, captures the essence of noir of it being very bleak, very monotone, you know, they couldn't just do black and white because that would really be impossible. So, you know, they're using, they're taking a very minimalist approach to colours, uh, having uh, themes for everything, you know, uh, it's dark blue in the underwater cities, and then when he's in the, when he's in the, uh, new, uh, I think it's new, it's new York, when he gets back home, it's kind of like this bronze colour, so that's also very interesting to see. So, uh, artwork-wise, I would definitely give that an 8. Uh, very good artwork. I definitely enjoyed uh, the artwork. And uh, my, my favourite moment from these two two comic books, the, the one that's stood out for me the most, it's it's got to be the stupid moment. It's got to be when you know, Tony says that the uh, submarine is called Happy Hogan. It's <laughs> It was a great throwback. It was a great throwback. So, that's my take on the Iron Man uh, noir issues 1 and 2. Uh, very interesting issues. I think you know Iron Man fans should definitely give this a read. 
if anything. Uh, but you know, this this is just my opinion. Uh, you know, it's not really Iron Man noir in in the sense of what noir is. It's more it's it, it's 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 new age noir. You know, it's it's a fusion of uh, you know adventure swashbuckling adventures and noir. So, but a very interesting take nonetheless. So, I think on that note, we're going to wrap up this week's episode. Um, next week, hopefully, I actually get uh, Invincible Iron Man issue twenty seven in the mail. Uh, as as I should have uh, with issue 26, but uh, now I've sorted out my subscription, and hopefully I should get that in. And then along maybe, hopefully next week, I'll be getting uh, Iron Man Legacy uh, free. So next week, stay tuned for a review of uh, Invincible Iron Man uh, 27, the controversial 27. Hopefully this time we'll actually see some action. We'll actually see Tony's new suit in use, and of course this is this is being promised by by the cover, which is of course Tony and Rhodey on the cover. So hopefully uh, that will be very interesting. Um, I really should. I, I'm very late on looking at the uh, ex, uh, extremist motion comics. I have I have them here, and I should be looking at them. But I think I'll I'll leave that when there's going to be an Iron Man break, if there ever is going to be an Iron Man break. So we'll have a look at the complete, uh, complete collection of all the six extremist comics some, sometime in the summer. So uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you want to contact me or be in the show so I could actually have someone to talk to with Iron Man, I would really love and appreciate that. Uh, you can email me at um, iamfanpod uh, at live.com. So that's iamfanpod at live.com. Uh, you can add me on Skype as I am FanPod. Uh, please, uh, you can find me on the AdvancedIron.org forums, which are you know the best uh, Iron Man fan forums. Definitely, you know, definitely go on there. You you have a lot of fun. You'll have a lot of fun there. So please, uh, thank you. Uh, please rate me on iTunes as well if you have the time. I would really appreciate that because that would. Uh, eventually get my podcast out on iTunes and more people will pick it up but on that note thank you very much to listen uh, for listening to the fifth episode of the Iron Man Fan Podcast and I will see you guys next week mm-hmm.